Oh, shoot. We lost Jeff. <laughs> yeah, your connection's not uh, very good. Sorry. Um, I know. I don't. Can you hear me now? Uh huh. Yep. Never mind. I like the fact that he talks about coming into the presence of God in this life. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. I think that that's a, a huge eye-opening part to, to many people as we uh, start diving into to the words of Isaiah. Yeah, thank you. So let's talk about um, kind of pulling from uh, the section that starts on page uh, 11 there. So what, what is the purpose of a prophet? We have many different prophets. We have all of Holy Writ that uh, contains these, these mighty words of these men. But what is the purpose of a prophet? We know that they are our shepherds, that they're uh, people on, on the watchtower. But what does that really mean for us? And, and what is Isaiah trying to help us understand through his writings? It's interesting to, to really think and ponder on that question that um, is there ever a prophet that hasn't seen God, at least eventually in their ministry? I think that that's their, their purpose, right? To, to see God and, and tell us about it, how to approach God um, so that we might receive revelation, uh, etc. And so is it ever the, the design of God to, to keep us at bay, to, to keep a distance between us? No, God wants us to approach him, right? He wants us to, to come unto him. As soon as we're ready to come unto him, he's ready to come to us. And so prophets are the uh, examples to, to look to how they have, have done so and what we might do to pattern our lives better in order to get some of those same blessings. And um, uh, like it says here on, on the bottom of page 11, but to their disciples and to all willing to search their writings for deeper meanings, they left a profound spiritual legacy. I love um, from uh, John Pontius's book where uh, he likens it, we need to stop looking at the scriptures as, as if it's some ancient um, thing that we can't relate to, but more of a mail order catalog uh, of blessings that we can actually receive in, in this life kind of thing. I, I love that imagery that yeah, when you're reading scriptures, as we liken them to ourselves, actually uh, start yearning to to receive those those same blessings. I mean, look at young Nephi, for example. He was uh, a young kid. Uh, his his father was a prophet who had already seen God, etc. Uh, following and and being obedient, he he gained many of those same blessings, and at a pretty young age, um, and and. I, likewise, he's he's showing us how to uh, how to approach um, the divine law in order to to get some of those blessings. I think that that's that's an, uh, it's an interesting paradigm to to start uh, coming to, but I, I think that's very much what all of the prophets, especially Isaiah, is is trying to point at. Um, see. 
So let's talk about uh, some of the, the literary features of Isaiah. Uh, with, uh, we have a lot of new things here with, with chiasms, with parallelisms, uh, seven-part structures, etc. Um, why do you think that Isaiah wrote in this way that, um, that seems to confuse most of us modern Westerners? <laughs> Uh, if we, we grew up with a Hebrew learning style, it would probably become much easier to us, but uh, we have quite the, uh, the barriers to overcome as we're, we're learning Isaiah, but yet we're commanded to learn Isaiah, right? We're, we're commanded to study his words and uh, to glean out of, out of his words. But I don't know, prior to now, I've always found Isaiah to be the most complicated, convoluted, meaningless to me uh, a set of scriptures that that I ever read it I didn't connect with them it, it, it was very hard for me to to make my way through the Book of Mormon let alone the Old Testament uh, versions of Isaiah but here we have many different uh, literary styles that are implemented why do you think that he um, why do you think he wrote in the way that he did I'd love to, to hear anybody's opinions and, and thoughts on that. Well, I think it's only for true seekers, for people who really will put forth the effort to study. I mean, if it was just blatantly out there, it, you know, something that's easy, people don't value. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think it takes, um, it just reminds me of the book of, by sister do that says worth the wrestle you know i think we have to we have to work for it this isn't just giving us on a platter to us mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah for sure yeah it's kind of i always like uh likening it to muscles like what well, we've got them but until we actually start using them and stretching them do we actually get the strength right and and likewise with this like it's for true seekers oh, thank you is um is there any Joseph Smith translations of Isaiah? Uh huh. Yes. Um. All of a sudden, I've lost my book. Where is it at? <laughs> um. In this book right here that uh, I had mentioned prior, so opening Isaiah by Ann Madsen and Sean Hopkins, it goes through um all of the different translations of Isaiah. So we have the King James Version, the Book of Mormon Version, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Joseph Smith Translation Versions. There's not as many of the Joseph Smith Translations, but, but there are uh, a few that, that come out. Um, just kind of- Tell me the name of that book again. I was just looking at, <laughs> I didn't write it down. Oh yeah, for sure. It's called Opening Isaiah, A Harmony by Ann Madsen and Sean Hopkin. Thank you. It's a very handy book to, to look at all the translations side by side. And we'll be using uh -huh. uh, that book. I mean, it's not required for, for what we're doing, but um, I'm going to be using and pulling a lot from that in the second half of our class after we get done with Isaiah Decoded, uh, going straight to that and comparing the different versions. Right. But yeah, as far as Joseph Smith translation, um, the, there's there's a few myths. Like, uh, I just opened up a page, and, and here's Joseph Smith translation of Isaiah 62, and um, 
there, there's quite a bit there that that he is um, correcting um, uh, a lot about like tenses, etc. Things that were changed over time. So is it through all the chapters or just like parts here and there that he has made? Uh -huh, yeah, it's just parts here and there that that have been changed. So anything yeah. that um, that was changed, it only notes it those verses there on on the page. But um, yeah, it, it's that column is uh, sparser than than the other columns. Like for example, Isaiah eleven doesn't have anything like that in the Joseph Smith translation. Um, but there's a couple of verses here in 19 and 20, et cetera, but yeah. And, and like I said, I'm not the greatest Isaiah historian either. So I, <laughs> I can't say that I, I went through the whole Joseph Smith translation yet, um, but, but I hope to as we're going through that second half of this class. Well, I think I'm and it's written kind of in code is that we need to be able to have it. And if it was probably more plain, some of this stuff that he wrote about, it would have been taken out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. To build on what Elle was say, talking about, um, how we have to work for this, um, well, um, it's speaking in, in chiastic, chiasm there, and the, the Holy Ghost speaks like that to us. And if you notice in the conference talks, a lot of them have chiasms in it, and that, that's the deeper meaning, and that's where we pull some of the greater treasures out of that. That and the footnotes is because the, the conference talks are on different layers and levels, you know, for that very reason. That's just what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as uh, anytime that the Lord needs to, uh, to differentiate different levels of learning, uh, oftentimes he'll employ a parable or, or a chiastic structure, uh, and sometimes even both that are uh, employed to, to keep um, seekers on their toes, right, and to, to keep them uh, learning more. I, I'm, I've always been intrigued by, by pirate ships and treasure maps, right? <laughs> like you want to go seeking for buried treasure. Uh, you want to go through the different levels and uh, things rather than, than just merely show up and uh, to be spiritually fed. It, it takes a, a lot of work and, and effort. Well, that's exactly what the mysteries are. And we're told to seek out the mysteries. Um, but that's what the mysteries are, is a higher learning and stuff. Um, but not everyone's ready for them at the same time. And that's why we have to be careful when we learn those things, you know, uh, not to, you know, throw those out there. I think we're odd. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Had an interesting experience today, um, teaching the combined Relief Society and priesthood lessons. Um, so first, I we have a schedule, and so the the conference talk was um, present the irons that I was supposed to do, but 
this um, test approved and polished. And I really felt like we needed to, or I needed to add in um, President Nelson's faith will move mountains, faith in him will move mountains. And so I put that in my, um, the email going out, these are the talks and the elders quorum president wrote back and said, no, you can't do that talk. It's not from, you know, the, the October 2020 conference. We'll do that the next six months. And I said, well, you know, I already talked to the release study president she's good with it. <laughs> and it goes along with a talk of being tested. So he's like, all right. And I printed out all the, the footnotes. It was like five pages. I printed out all the scriptures and I was going to talk about the footnotes and I'm giving the the lesson, I talk about all the tests and then I go about how we need to have faith to make it through these tests. And I was going to talk about the footnotes and it completely left me. I might have an opportunity to even think about saying something. And then later someone had said something on Facebook about footnotes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot about the footnotes. It wasn't even there. And I guess it just wasn't supposed to be, my husband said, it just wasn't supposed to be mentioned because there just aren't people that are ready for knowing more. Mm -hmm. Oh man, if I had a dollar for every time that I've given a lesson and then afterward, like, oh my word, the whole point of what I was trying to get across, it totally left me during the lesson. <laughs> it, it happens a lot because the, the spirit is needing to, to teach his own lesson, right? And right. we're just along for the ride. <laughs> I just wanted to say, look at the footnotes. I couldn't even say, look at the footnotes. I mean, it wasn't even there in my head. It wasn't even there. <laughs> yep. yeah. the footnotes are amazing on on this past conference just I, i'm trying to start off with president nelson's talks and and go through those first and it's just like oh my word like even from our our chat last week on on conference i am just amazed at these footnotes they're they're deeper and more profound than any of the other conferences i mean if President Nelson's not gearing us up for tribulations, I don't know what. I mean, his footnotes are extensive and, mm -hmm. and very, very deep. And if you print them out in order, they read like a whole nother talk. Oh, really? I, I haven't done that yet. I've just been kind of uh, <laughs> doing my own little weird <laughs> version of, of studying them. I need to do that. Right. But yeah, so kind of springboarding off of that, that principle there. So on, on page 21, it uh, talks about people that are named as role models. So who are your role models uh, of prophets? Who, who have been your favorite prophets, either in scripture or in modern times, that have just resonated with you, that um, you look towards in, in patterning your life, etc.? Uh, who just love to, to hear about some of your your heroes in the gospel and and why uh president nelson obviously uh, uh yeah of course <laughs> he's um he's pretty incredible all the things that he was able to has been able to accomplish in his life um i read two or three of his um biographies oh my gosh you know just mm -hmm. an incredible person's so much so, you know, I guess it really stands out that he never let himself get even like a pound overweight. He just like wanted to make sure that he was taking care of his temple and he never neglected his family. When he was home, he paid attention to his family. And when he was at work, he made sure that he never like yelled out or made anyone feel um, like attacked. There, I guess there, there's an example of when, when he was a, a student of a 
surgeon teacher, you know, yelling at him. I was like, I'm never going to do that. And so he never showed any anger or frustration for people's um, lack of knowledge or their, their mistakes or, you know, anything. He's just yeah. such being and caring, um, studious um, in the gospel and studious in the medical field. And just a, a great example. This is a great example it's easy to follow him because he lives, he walks a walk and he, you know, he talks a talk and he lives a walk and however you say that, I mean, he just, he just does it all. And I, you know, I thought the same thing about President Monson and President Hinckley too. Um, and all, you know, they were, they were all just for that time, definitely for, and he's definitely for this time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't have the privilege of, of some of those uh, uh, previous, like, <laughs> Kimball or, or Benson, etc. But uh, Hinckley was the one that I first resonated with and, and just absolutely loved that uh, so many things were, were just speaking directly to my soul. But um, in, in his stories and in his life, I, I was just, I'm going to pattern my life after his. I'm, I'm going to become kind of the man that, that he's become. As we studied Abraham in the past, um, Abraham, the great friend of God, like, why do we even have some of these prophets that are our heroes or uh, these role models? Um, isn't Christ our, the only role model that we ever need? Yeah, but we're, we're given prophets uh, because they're, they're a little bit more <laughs> human. Well, it's like, oh, okay, we see that, that everybody makes mistakes and we can repent from them, etc. Alma, the younger, is another uh, favorite of mine. Like, okay, if he can make it, I can at least try <laughs> kind of thing, right? That as we uh, start studying their lives, obviously we're not worshiping them, but we, we study their lives in order to, to better pattern our, our own. Um, this is just a, a crazy example, but um, my, my dad recently got a new little tiny dog. And... Um, this dog was scared out of its mind for the first day. I mean, it's, it's like a new dog, meaning it just recently born. And um, I don't know, it just couldn't even do anything but sit there and shake. It was just so scared. And anytime I would bring my dog around uh, to it, uh, it would just mimic everything that, that she was doing. So I would throw a, a ball or a toy and this little dog would notice, oh, that's what you're supposed to do with those things? or um, uh, she didn't really like treats or anything like that. Um, but as soon as she, she sees my dog doing it, she, oh, oh, that's what you do with that kind of stuff. And so it's it, interesting this, um, the idea of perception as we perceive somebody that, that we revere or um, somebody that's uh, set up as a role model that we can start uh, slowly implementing our lives after theirs in order to, to reach higher and loftier goals. And, and I find that principle very interesting as we're looking at, at some of these role models. Anybody else have, have any that they'd like to talk about? Uh, any role models uh, either in scripture or in, in current? Here on, on page 21, it talks about three in particular that Isaiah uh, references. Abraham, because he obeyed God in all things, and Moses, because he delivered his people from bondage, and Hezekiah, 
who interceded for his people's deliverance. I find that those are three greats, if we're going to have any role models at all. Um, those are our three uh, very miraculous men that were able to, to draw down the powers of heaven into their lives and, and bless their people. Uh, yeah. So kind of transitioning over to, to page 23, uh, kind of towards the top in the second paragraph, it says that God puts people in relationships with each other so that they can grow and attain their full stature. And I'd just like to, to throw that out. Uh, is that a true statement? Uh, how have you found that uh, principle to play out in your life, etc.? That God puts people in relationships with each other so that they can grow and attain their full stature. I'd just love to know your thoughts on that. And I guess a question that I would pose, uh, kind of piggy telling off of that, is when God puts people in uh, relationships with each other, are they always equally yoked? <laughs> We've got a quiet group today. <laughs> I find that a lot of times they're not, but that's what we're striving for is to become equally yoked there. But yeah, it's, I think that's the, the journey in trying to figure all that out and work that out. Because mm -hmm. there's growth in, in that, in that process. And that's definitely uh, a huge principle that we'll, we'll learn throughout Isaiah's uh, seven-part structure and, and his ladder there, that most oftentimes we're, we're not equally yoked and it's on purpose. So that um, uh, one person's on one level of the, the ladder and they're reaching down to help the other person uh, rise to, to the occasion. And like I said before, it's it's not my opinion that someone is necessarily fully on one rung of the ladder in all aspects of their life. I think that it's different aspects, different uh, times and seasons to to our life, etc. Um, but as we're we're constantly uh, learning and growing, that we can eventually kind of raise our whole selves up the ladder. Um, but anyway, I. I find that just a very interesting principle, especially as we talk about the symbolism of us being yoked to Christ, how unequally yoked that is. <laughs> I mean, we, mankind, are nothing without his atoning sacrifice, and yet he willingly yokes himself to us in order to, uh, to bring us up and to, to help us become uh, the gods that, that we have the potential to become. And in little ways, we mimic that pattern in all of our relationships, seems like. Um, kind of going along with that, it, it reminds me of uh, Sister Eubanks's talk last general conference about 
uh, achieving swing. Uh, she talks about the rowboat principle, etc. Um, when all of the rowers are in exact sync with each other, then then that's uh, created what's called swing. But how how many times we don't experience that because we have um, gross misdeeds or or just unfortunate things that that really throw off the swing in our boats. Um, things that should never happen, but but yet do because of our human frailties and our natural man tendencies. Um, but that's the goal, to become in swing with each other so that we can then become in swing or um, equally yoked with, with our savior. Um, Gilead kind of gave this example on the next paragraph down where you were. Mm -hmm. On 23, as on Jacob's ladder, God calls those above minister those below at the same time they themselves are ministered to by someone above them and so forth up and down the ladder and so that's kind of what i understand about the kingdoms too right this mm -hmm. kingdom will minister to the um, terrestrial the terrestrial to the telestial but the telestial cannot minister up to mm -hmm. the or the, the terrestrial right yeah, exactly. Because you can't minister up in the sense that you've never been there. You don't, you haven't obeyed those laws yet and, mm -hmm. and you might not necessarily be ready. And so uh, ministering down is, is definitely a principle as we ourselves are um, reaching up uh, and um, having those above us minister to us to bring us up. We're likewise reaching down and, and uh, bringing others uh, up as well. Yeah, very good insights. And and um, I can't remember which chapter that is. I, I think it's like five or six. I was listening to the audio again this week uh, of this book and it, that's mentioned somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, about the different kingdoms, celestial, terrestrial, telestial. And, oh, is it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Somewhere there, I remember that. Yes. So I love what he says on the top of 25, where it says that we can discern a lot about our standing with God from how much we match up with the heroes or villains in Israel's history. Later on, we'll uh, talk about the fairy tales and, and the different characters and, and things there. Um, but uh, kind of interesting here that he talks about heroes and villains in, in Israel's history. How many of us are are gospel experts in, in Old Testament. <laughs> I know that <laughs> I have not been, that is definitely not one of my strong suits, but I've been so intrigued these past few years with learning Israel's history and, um, and how much that has greatly blessed my life in the fact that I can uh, see our present day, but, but more importantly, my specific life in, um, in context because the Old Testament is just rich. It's, it's like this mirror that we can uh, take a look at and, and recognize ourselves where we're at. I find a lot of truth to that statement here, um, that we can discern our standing with God by looking at, at history and how important it is that we have correct histories and the spirit to discern correct histories in our, our current climate of uh, changing history and cancel culture, etc. that that um, as we look to uh, the history, we can see a, an accurate representation of ourselves 
if we're looking in the right sources. And isn't it so important that with these scriptures that we're given the good and the bad, the, the evil ones and the, the good ones, so we we know the whole story and we can say, oh, wow, I don't want to be like this one. This one's, you know, mm -hmm. and we attain to someone stronger. So it's good that we have both. So we, what if they just, all the scriptures were just about all the good prophets and everything and blah, blah, blah. we, you know, we need both to. Yeah. Right, I use Laman and Lemuel a lot when, when my kids are little. <laughs> like Laman and Lemuel. <laughs> yep. so yes and uh talking about this this pattern for the future um before isaiah i didn't really quite put together that um all of the past is going to play out in our future um so uh, on the bottom of page 25 it says that Isaiah predicts new versions of more than 30 ancient events, a new decline into wickedness, a new Sodom and Gomorrah type of destruction, a new Assyrian world conquest, a new exodus of God's people out of bondage, a new inheritance, etc. There's so many things that are going to replay in, in our days. And if we look at the scriptures, you know, we've heard it said just about the Book of Mormon right there, that the people living at that time during the Book of Mormon didn't necessarily have the writings of their current prophet or or the, the ones surrounding them. The, the Book of Mormon was a compilation for our day, pointing towards um, our events and how they were mirroring theirs. And um, and, and I think that that must be true for, for a lot of the, the scriptures. Uh, these prophets were we're seeing what was playing out in their day and that that pattern is going to play out in, in the future uh, because God always works in patterns. The more I study symbolism, chiastic structure, et cetera, the, the more I see that, that everything's uh, a pattern, uh, whether it's a direct repeat or, or uh, somehow like an inverse, et cetera, that um, the, the Lord doesn't just blindside us with things. He, he works in patterns, especially for these latter days. You can see that in time things in the Book of Mormon and in the Doctrine and Covenant. So it all goes together. The New Testament, I mean, it all it points to the same kind of stuff that will be happening. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not just in Isaiah, it's all through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And how comforting yet daunting that is that, okay, well, if we just study the scriptures, we'll know the future. Uh, we can we can be prophets in our own sense. A prophet is is someone that that can uh, prophesy of future things to come. Well, if you know the scriptures, you, <laughs> it's already right there. You just got to look forward and and see how it plays out again. Are you familiar, Cameron, with the quote? I think it's Brigham Young that says that all members are supposed to be able to be prophets unto themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's Brigham Young. I'm not sure who said it, and I'm not quoting it correctly, but. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, I've heard that definitely. Um, like in Moses, as he's um, uh, leading the children of, of Israel uh, with the whole Sinai uh, experience, he says somewhere in there, and I'm paraphrasing as well, but uh, we're to God that all his children were prophets. 
and, and so yeah, it, it's important to become that obviously. Yeah, I think that's what President Nelson's trying to get us to learn to hear, to receive our own revelation, to mm -hmm. you know what know what to do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And there's Moses trying to get his people to, to go up the mountain and the, the, the distraction was to make idols and look at the distractions that we have today. That must be daunting for President Nelson. <laughs> yep. It, you know, one thing we have the scriptures in our hand and the other thing we have this distraction in our hand that would distract us from the scriptures right there in the same very hand. Mm -hmm. You can use yeah. it for good or for, for evil. I... That's how this book started was, you know, Moses going up the mountain. He wanted to take them and they wouldn't come. And he comes back down with the higher law and they're not, they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. He breaks the tablets and he goes back up and he gets the lesser law. So. Yeah, exactly. And as we, we see from uh, this first chapter here that, that all things play out in the end times. We have a new exodus, etc. Um, that, that's going to be even bigger and, and grander than the first one. And uh, preceding um, all of that, or, or preceding all of our, our things today, uh, we see how that could very easily play out, that um, we might be so distracted that, that we, um, in our own version, be uh, worshiping uh, a golden calf rather than uh, taking the invitation to ascend the mountain kind of a principle. I am not eloquent with words, if you can tell. I'm, I'm babbling over my own <laughs> tongue right here, but. Um, it, That's what I feel like President Nelson's footnotes are, is he just wants to take us higher. Yeah. And, it, oh my goodness. I love these people who I was teaching and I waited like you wait and there was no talking and I left, I, I was just watching. Well, how long is he gonna wait for us to say something? <laughs> Um, you know, say something, because when you say something, you're bearing your testimony, and, um, and that's a good thing, you know, move forward. Mm -hmm. I, you know, four or five times I left a base open today, and I don't, I don't teach a lot. I've been in the nursery for four years, so this is a new calling for me. Yeah. Being adults again, um, I really like to be with children. Um, <laughs> they bring me great joy, and um, it's okay to act like kids when you're a kid, right? <laughs> yep. President Nelson is really trying to take us to a higher level with his footnotes. Mm -hmm. yeah, I totally agree. Um, kind of going on that same principle on the mid-27, in the middle of that, it says, it is too easy to focus on mistakes people made in the past. We reassure ourselves we would never have made such mistakes. Isaiah gives us a chance to see how we will respond in similar circumstances. I find that that, as I'm actually going through the, the writings of Isaiah, that's what's really opening my eyes, is the fact that had I been on the same trajectory I was last year, I probably wouldn't have recognized Christ when he came again. Even though I'm a, a faithful member of the church, I attend my meetings, I'm doing all these things, I, I was missing a lot, and, and the Lord's been steering me this last year in my studies, etc., um, to, to really eliminate certain things out of my life, and, and this and that, and take my blinders off, so that I, I, I'm more awake to, to some of the principles that he's trying to teach me, because uh, given that current uh, trajectory at the time, I, 
I, I was at risk of not res- recognizing Christ for, for who he truly is when, when he comes again. And so um, I think it's so easy to, to do what, what Avraham's saying here. Oh, I'd never make the same mistakes that, that they made. How could they not recognize Christ when he came the first time? Like, obviously, but, but they were so steeped in it that they didn't even know what, what to expect, etc. And, and we run that same risk in our latter days. And it's always because of idolatry. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an unknown word to us in, in our day. We always think idolatrous things are only for Old Testament times. Um, but I, I find that that creeps in ever so uh, much into our, our modern cultures. Uh, just like you said, uh, Laura, that uh, the same thing that can bring us closer to God uh, the scriptures can be held in the same hand at the same time as something so distracting that can take us thousands of miles away. I, I love that that imagery there. In the same hand at the same time, it's just about the power that we give it um, to where we want it to take us. All right, so uh, he... Avraham talks about the different kinds of structures that are used here, and we'll really dive into a lot of those as we're we're progressing forward through uh, the book of Isaiah, but um, we have linear structure that's on page 28, and we have synchronous structure that's on page 29, and then we have kind of the the domino uh, effect on on page 31, and so I kind of wanted to just visit those briefly and, and talk about those that we have a linear structure where um, it, it follows a timeline. It, it was, uh, it played out in, in Isaiah's day, but then with the synchronous structure that Isaiah uses as well, that all of those same things play out all together in the end times. So what occurred over many, many years um, during Isaiah's time frame and, and all of that that we covered at the very first part of of our session tonight is going to play out in a really short time frame, almost all at once. Um, it, it may fluctuate in, in the actual order of events, but all of it comes together and plays out at the end uh, for one gate drama. If you look at it in, in that sense, we have, we've been doing dress rehearsals for the whole history of the earth. And now it's time to actually play out the, the scene here in all of its glory, right? <laughs> um, uh, it's very interesting how um, those two structures uh, come together in such a beautiful way, so masterfully as Isaiah is writing this through the Spirit. That was a, a new concept for me as I was reading uh, this book, uh, that linear structure versus the synchronous structure and how they're um, pulled out uh, from the same text at the same time. And then um, comes the idea of composites. What time are we at? Okay, so we're almost out of time. I kind of want to end on the idea of composites because I think that this is such a impactful um, tool for us to use as we're moving forward. So he talks about the idea that one end time character is represented by many characters in the past. 
So each one of them represents an aspect of the, the end time character. So I like to think of it this way. Um, I, I think we've all been to the temple. I have no idea all of your personal stories, but um, so say we uh, are, are talking about our, our modern temple endowment. We, we currently, well, before COVID and everything, we had four temple films. And in those temple films, we have different characters, but they're all playing the, the same part, right? But they all bring a different aspect to the character. So if we have Satan from film A and Satan from film B, C, and D, we have wildly different takes on who Satan is and what his character is, right? Um, I, I don't know if if everyone, hopefully this isn't just falling on deaf ears, but this is how I related to the idea of composites. Um, so in, in film D, uh, Satan is like the chummy best friend. I mean, he's just this happy-go-lucky Percy, happy-go-lucky person that um, ends up beguiling them in the end. Versus film B, that's like this sniveling little weasel type Satan. And then you have film C, who's the most monotone, scary, even though I don't know why he's scary, kind of a Satan type. But these are all individual characteristics of the same person that's a composite for the actual Satan. So um, when they're, they're playing their character, they're just playing uh, one characteristic to its fullest so that we can kind of zoom in on that and be able to recognize it. Likewise with Adam, Eve, etc. But this idea of composites in Isaiah, he's pulling uh, all of the good people and all of the bad people. And together, they all form this composite of the end time servant and the, um, the end time arch tyrant or the antichrist. And so these composites are, are huge as we're going through. And um, anyway, I homework, challenge, whatever, but um, it, it'll be very helpful if we start looking for composites in our daily life. So when we talked about our heroes, um, the President Nelsons or Alma the Youngers or uh, who have you, take a look at why we, we love them. Why do we uh, pattern our lives after them? How do we uh, see Christ through them? And what characteristics are their composite for, for Christ or for the end time servant? What can we see through them that will be amplified uh, when, when Christ comes again, for example? I think that that's a, a, a huge mind-blowing thing to me is that idea of composites as we move forward and, and prepare for the, the end times. We can actually know what the end time servant and the the antichrist look like and act like and and feel like by looking at at some of these previous examples that were types and shadows for them um so i want to kind of go to our our homework or, or further studying kind of things that are our possibilities. I'm just throwing those out there. And then we'll come back for, for final thoughts on, on this chapter. So one thing that's super helpful, but um, again, not necessary, is uh, these flashcards from the Isaiah Institute. Um, 
I have a, a digital version that I'm going to be be sharing with everyone. But um, these these flashcards are very handy. So if you can see these, I'm trying to get the camera to focus. So um, on one side is is a word or a concept, and on the other side is is the definition. So there's lots of new uh, things, concepts, people, doctrines, etc., in the Book of Isaiah. And so these flashcards have really helped me, and and hopefully um, they can help you as well. So each week, if we uh, keep at a, a good constant pace, we can study ten of these a week and get through this whole uh, deck of of flashcards by by the end of our our semester. What does he call those words when he does that? It's not a type. What does he call that? There's a word. Um, Abram. Yes. What does he call them? I don't know. My mind just went blank. <laughs> Oh man, because he says that all the time in his uh -huh. thing. Is that what those are following then when he says that? Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. And so they've just come out with this uh, little handy carrying case of, of the Isaiah flashcards that um, you can purchase oh. off of his website. So what I'm going to be doing, and it's only for this group, I, you know, please don't share this uh, out and about, but um, I have a app on my phone that's called Chegg Prep, and it's used for, for university flashcards, et cetera. And I'm gonna copy the link into our chat really quick. So if you go there, you can, uh, I'm just posting 10 a week, and these are the 10 that we will be um, studying and, and memorizing. And it's just an invitation. It's not like required homework for this class, but if you wanna study together on these same 10 words each week, um, I'm posting those on the Learning Zion website and um, through this uh, Chegg app. So let me just pop over real quick to my iPhone to, to show you that really quick. Okay, you see that? Yes. All right, so in the bottom left-hand corner, I have this Chegg Prep app on my phone, and it will bring up all of the, uh, the flashcards that, that I have. So this one is called Cameron Briggs Isaiah, and um, you click the, the practice all cards at the bottom. This is very similar. I have an iPhone, but it's similar on Android, and you can practice all of the cards. And it will just give you one thing at a time and you tap it for the definition. If you got it, you can click that and it will mark it as um, completed. And if you got it and it's not quite, you wanna keep that in the deck, um, you, you mark it as such. And then once you go through the whole deck of, of 10 cards, it will give you your score and you can either flip again or click done. So when you um, go back along the top there, you can review all 10 of your cards or you can review all of the ones that you marked not quite and practice just those five again, etc. So that's just a, a handy thing for, for those that don't have the, the actual flashcards. I've, uh, I use this app all the time to, to memorize uh, places, names, et cetera, 
you can see my Hebrew on there. Um, but oh, anyway, those thoughts are Put your name in and it will bring it up. Uh -huh. So um, you can either click on the link there or uh, in the app, you should be able to, to search for Cameron Briggs and it should bring up that uh, deck there. Thank you so much for that. Uh -huh. um, and likewise, I'll be posting all of those uh, names and definitions, et cetera, on the Learning Zion website under the uh, our, our class uh, there. Let me copy that link as well really quick. Um, but anyway, last comments or anything on, on this chapter? Um, any questions that you might have as, as we go forward? All right, and then here is the link for um, this group on the, the Learning Zion website. And you can see our different discuss discussions chapter by chapter. And I'll be posting the, the link to these videos in case you miss a week. Uh, you can go back and, and review those on there as well. And again, these videos are going to be private. They're, they're not listed out on YouTube. They are uploaded on YouTube, but they're, they're listed as private ones so that only those that have a link can, can view them. Um, you're more than welcome to, to share those, um, but the Isaiah flashcard ones, um, I don't want to run into like copyright infringement stuff. So uh, those are just handy while we're studying uh, to use those if, if you'd like to. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and end there. So we're going to do chapter two next week, um, which is the, the arch tyrant. And we're going to start at the bottom of the ladder and work our way up. Uh, it's very interesting as we, we move forward uh, looking um, at the different players in the ancient times and, and what the actual um, people on that rung of the ladder look like uh, for our end time. We're going to see lots of interesting parallels and, and things um, and recognize where we're at on the ladder, etc. Is there a free place to um, listen to the book or is that on Audible? Uh -huh, yeah, it's not free. Um, there's a version on Audible um, on the Isaiah Institute. Uh, isaiahinstitute.com website. They have all of their books in uh, audio. MP, uh, I think all of the audios are MP3s. Um, they have the eBooks and and links to the um, actual physical uh, copies of their books as well. Uh, I tend to like that because it's directly from them and um, with Audible. If if the internet goes down or anything, then you're kind of uh, up a river. But uh, you can download the actual MP3s and, and be able to listen to those, even if um, technology is not cooperating kind of thing. But um, yeah, uh, those are, are great. I have those on, on my phone and I'm listening to those all day at work trying to, to learn and absorb things. I have to go over things like four or five times before it kind of starts to sink in and I kind of understand some of the concepts. Isaiah is really difficult for our Western ears and eyes, but uh, it, it's so worth it once we, we start really diving in. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you have scammer. any questions or, or comments or anything, feel free to email me. If you have suggestions how to make our classes better, whatever, if you want to invite other people, uh, email me. Anyway, we're wanting to make this as uh, fun and exciting and, and everything and uh, whatever for, for everyone that's wanting to study Isaiah. 
hopefully it's it's good and not just a snooze fest. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yep, for sure. All right. We'll see everyone later. Well, thanks. Have a good, good night. Hey.